How's it going, Bobby? <laughs> well, I just spent. I'm try not to yell into I the d- mic this time. I just spent some time troubleshooting why we weren't getting levels, and you know why we weren't getting levels? Yes, I do because I saw what happened. Yeah, my headphones weren't plugged in. That's right. Reminds me of that scene in Happy Gilmore with um, uh, the Fonz. Who's the actor that played the Fonz? Henry. Uh, Henry. Dang it. Henry, not Henry Fonda. Henry. <laughs> I'm going to look this up, but there's that scene where he's on the phone. uh, Henry Winkler. Winkler. There's that scene where he's on the phone and he's, he's talking to his grandma, but the phone, it's one of the old phones, right? With the twirly cords coming out of the receiver and it's not plugged into anything. Oh, you're not talking about the old, old phones where you have to pick up the uh, no i'm talking about one like, hand and talking to the wall just right? a phone you're from talking like, about a phone from like 20 30 years ago 30 yeah, or 40 years yeah, ago yeah a phone that you actually had to hang up yeah one of those big heavy ones that's where that terminology comes from right you hang up the phone you, would you literally gotta, hang it yeah you hang it on the wall it's like roll up a window right and we had a we had like a really long cord that would get way tangled up right mm-hmm. and so you'd have mm-hmm. to untangle the cord every once in a while yeah, well, that was one of the one of the privileges of 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 you know being a teenager, or one of the little uh, um, maybe little perks would be if you got an extra long phone, then you could you could go take the receiver all the way to your bedroom and then close the door so no one could hear your conversations, and you'd have that stretched cord going around from the kitchen down the hallway up the stairs <laughs> into the bedroom. <laughs> Not that I ever did that, being a being a guy, that was more of a girl thing, right? To take your phone and hide in your room. I am, I, am I being misogynistic? I, ne- I never really got to see the reality of what teenage girls were doing when I was a kid like that. I remember watching the movies and you'd see kids that had computers in their room or phones in their room. And it's like, is that really real? Because yeah. <laughs> my dad would never let me have a phone in right. my room. And there's no Jack there either. <laughs> right, right. Or a TV with a, a video game system in your own room. Right. That's out of control. <laughs> and now we give our kids phones, which are basically TVs. Now they have the video game, game system with them they're, at they're all times. <laughs> phones, internet, cameras, recording devices, all kinds of stuff packed into those little devices. At all times, they have it on them. You must have your your indoctrination device on you at all times. What do you want to talk about today? We spent the last half an hour trying to figure out what to talk about. We might as well talk about it on the air. Uh, sure. Well, today is uh, September 20th, Monday, September 20th, 2021. If you're not paying attention, we are fast approaching the fall or autumnal equinox. That's an important day on the 22nd, 21st, 22nd. For those of you paying attention, my name is Bobby Flood, and I'm here with Jordan Bruno. Jordan Bruno. One thing you know I realize that we don't do very good is... Introductions? Our intros and our outros are like... 
we just turn record on and we, we start just start talking, talking yeah <laughs> but uh, well, if we if we've got any new listeners this week we'd like to welcome you we'd like to welcome you today uh hello 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 <laughs> we welcome you today hello if you know that song you're probably lds mormon uh yeah, uh, we had a great podcast last week with Eric Moutsos. Mm-hmm. Episode 40. If you're dyslexic, you can pronounce his last name Moustos, like I have in the past. Right. But uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening. If you're joining in again, we do a weekly podcast here at the Mind Virus Podcast. Bunker Studio. That's right. Mindvirus.show on the web. Now, we understand that we, uh, we know our audience is spread out over different... Uh, applications like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or I use a an app called uh, what's it called? Overcast. Overcast. Some people just listen on the web. We we do like to see Overcast. people come to the website. Yeah, but the 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 website we do at the website. Not only do we have the feed, you know, or the file for the podcast that you can listen to. We also we we understand that the web isn't as the greatest listening format because you can't turn it on and then. Although drive away or listen to, or flip through other apps. Right, it doesn't download it right there. But what we do provide there is a lot of extra material. So sources or things that we reference, uh, including articles, videos, memes, pictures. So we, we invite you to go visit mindvirus.show, regardless of how you regularly listen to us. That's right. And if you feel inclined to comment, give us a piece of your mind. That's a good place to do it. Yeah, I need to. We need to do better at maybe engaging people who comment. I don't. I've never commented it on our own website. I have. You. What's have. your problem? Say something inflammatory that people will comment about, and then you'll have to defend yourself. Could you go ahead and just I do think, that right now? I think, based on the demographics I've looked at, I think most of our audience are probably uh, domestic terrorists. They're the American Taliban, and and I think that they should be rounded up. Why? For like a party? Yeah, I think that'd be a good party. We could have a bunch of masked people. I think actually, um, we could have, a, have it catered by people wearing masks. I think we could that wear, party already happened. It's called we, the Stadium of Fire. <laughs> we could wear um, expensive clothes that say, tax the poor, tax the, tax the New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah. Or how about stay in California? You're not wanted here. Could you get that on a, a white dress? Could you get the whole, all of that stay in California, you're not wanted here on a designer dress? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How much news do you think that would make if we, had, if we held that kind of a party? None, because I don't think anybody's paying attention to us. <laughs> if Ted Cruz had that kind of party, you'd get some, some traction, maybe. Maybe, a little if, bit. Only if he did it at the, at the border, the Mexican-Texan border. Where he's been the Texican, out. yeah, not uh, not at Texarkana, but at the Texican border. That's right. the southern border, where everybody's <clears throat> coming across freely, back and forth. Are they are they are they going the other direction? That's what I want to know. Do they <laughs> are Americans? Are we using it as a back and forth thoroughfare, or is it just? I think most of that traffic is one way, but but I don't know, Mexico, maybe parts of Mexico might not be too bad to ride out the apocalypse in. Do you remember, nice beaches. remember how, did you remember watching the movie Day After Tomorrow? It was uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and 
That's the global warming. That's movie. a global warming movie. Yeah. 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 I saw that in the theater. And Dennis Quaid. The the people in the movie theater were yelling and scoffing and laughing at the movie. So the premise of that is that all of a sudden something something happens and the North Atlantic current starts to shut down and then these polar vortexes like what would you call them apocalyptic polar vortexes begin to move from the north all over the northern hemisphere and they freeze flash flash freeze everything and so so jake gyllenhaal is running from what the cold cold. now that's interesting because that's what we've been doing for the last year and eight nine months or whatever but uh yeah, it's not a, it, the not the common cold, but the the, the cold, 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 the frozen cold, and it's it's uh like a like I a think freeze there's dryer. One point where he actually like dodges the cold, like it he like sidesteps it like behind a behind a pillar or something as if it's a, a a projectile, like like an NBA player taking too many steps or right like uh what what's that guy's name Harden that does like the three step two step I think it's like six steps at this point six but. steps he can he he's able to he's got a trademarked move that's kind of like doing the fox trot and then he shoots a three and runs back in that movie if you're a jazz fan he's he's <laughs> public enemy number one a lot of times in that movie um. Americans, you know, in a twist of... That's what I was getting to. Yeah, but they're running, but they're running for the border and heading to Mexico where the cold hasn't yet caught up. And right. It's it's very political. You know, in the movie, there's a newscaster saying it's something. It's the end like, of the movie is sort of this ironic in your face. And I, the Americans I, sought asylum in Mexico. And I, I think there's a thing. It's like the Mexican president says something like we will welcome the american refugees if the united states will forgive our debt to them <laughs> something like that and <laughs> something stupid anyway that movie is really dumb as most uh you know it, it, it's it has was, there been a good disaster movie in the last 20 years that yeah you had the meteor the meteor movies there for a while like um deep impact and armageddon yeah those were good they were okay I mean, they were dramatic. They were good that, in that way. The drama doesn't, but I don't know. It just don't want to like... close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. Now I had well, to sing that didn't... like four octaves lower you, than you, you whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Did you sing that well enough? We might get a DMCA strike. So. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> you better stop. That was closer, man. Woo. Sorry, did that, did that ruin the levels? We're trying to attract new listeners. We want to keep these new listeners around, right? What's his name? Steven Tyler. Yeah, Aerosmith. Oh, his name's Aerosmith. Well, he's Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Okay, wasn't his daughter in the movie? Yeah, I think so. And she was also in the Lord of the Rings. That's what I was going to say. She makes a Liv, better elf. Liv Tyler. She makes a better elf than uh than a trailer trash she, girlfriend. She kind of had her roughnecks. little 15 minutes, didn't she? And then she was shipped off to wherever old actresses go. I, I don't know. She was immortalized because she's uh, in Lord of the Rings. I mean, right. All those actors are going to probably still making money from those films, but yeah, but I mean, she hasn't been in much n- anything else. Armageddon was Arm- Armageddon was 
in the midst of that, wasn't it? Or was it all at, was Armageddon after all the trilogy? I don't know. Should I look it up? Do I we care? Know. I don't know. Listeners, what do you want to talk you know, about? <laughs> why don't you comment? We need some. Well, we, we need some more feedback from the audience about what we should be talking about. We before we started recording, we were talking about not just the hypocrisy that we're seeing around all this COVID garbage, but the just the lies, the flat out blatant bald-faced lies and they're they're everywhere they're like the toy story meme lies lies everywhere mm-hmm. and one other thing we we're talking about and maybe you don't want to talk about this so maybe you want to cut it but the other thing that we were discussing before we came on was that not only are there lies everywhere but attendance at church is down and i think we We've talked about this before. We've got a predominantly LDS audience. And it's kind of a big issue. I think a lot of our listeners are interested to know more of how we're feeling about well, I, this I, situation, the elephant that is in the room. That was that was one of our big podcasts a couple of weeks ago where we discussed the church's promotion of vaccines to a great extent, the extent that they went to to promote the vaccine was unnecessary. And th- that's gotten a lot of traction. So we haven't heard a lot from from listeners, but I, I surmise, I'm going to guess that that's on people's minds. What, you know, how does the, how does their, how do their deeply held convictions relative to this particular institution factor into this whole discussion about the illusory world that we're living in, to put it more diplomatically. Well, I'd be curious to know if if attendance is down. Across the board? Right, right. And there's obviously no way of us knowing that. But uh, we could could try to gather uh, anecdotes from our our listeners i'd love to know i'd love you know i do know i challenge you will will you will you post on the mind virus show page whether your attendance is we do know that convert baptisms were down during 2020 the church announced that with its annual report and that makes sense as his missionaries were called home and confined to their bedrooms and their apartments and facebook trying to facebook that <clears throat> that would have been that I'd feel bad for those missionaries. Maybe we could just switch to virtual baptisms. Everything else is done online now. <laughs> yeah, why not? We're we're doing a virtual gathering of Israel. That's a good point. So uh yeah, let us know how things are going in your ward or stake. I I, I think the the thing is you know, they shut down. And we've talked, we talked about this last year in, you know, in person, and I've talked about it with other friends. The question was, how many people are really going to come back if you don't appear to value the communal, regular, weekly gatherings above, let's say, you know, the specter of 0.03% death rate? Or 0.003% death rate, right? I mean, if you're if if we turn and run at the first sign of danger, what what does that what does that say about how we value these other things that we left behind, right? 
Right. That's the question. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be honest here. Well, I think... Um, Without getting Bobby kicked out. <laughs> I think it's really... I mean, you have to ask yourself... Well, like all of these kind of issues, I think the most important question is why? Why? If, if a church attendance is down, and I think there's a lot of reasons, especially, you know, we could look at locally, uh, we know of a few reasons or we can speculate about a few reasons, and I suspect every little location, including stakes and down to the ward level, has their own issues that might contribute to this. But on the large scale, the bigger picture is that we just spent the better part of a year not being even allowed to go and being encouraged to stay at home. That alone is going to be it. I think the obvious fallout of that is there going to be a percentage of people who decide not to come back at all because they're going to, for whatever reason, they're going to say, well, we had better meetings at home or we got out of the habit or I now enjoy uh, doing something else on Sunday more than I did wrangling my kids and hauling them off to the church for two or three, two, two hours now. Or I'm upset because they want us to mask and vaccinate. Right. I mean, and that's, I a, that's a big deal. That was, I, I think, the big deal in the last several months. I think that's a more of a recent... People are struggling with that one. I think they're struggling with it now more than they were a year ago. You know, a year ago we were being told to mask. But now once we got a, a little taste of, you know, mask-free institutional life and we're, we were told by our political and institutional betters that uh, as soon as we have the vaccine, we will get our lives back, in the words of the state of Utah. When that didn't happen, I think people said, well, hey, what, what's go, what, what gives here? I, yeah, it's I, like enough I, is I, enough. I jumped through the hoops, and now you're telling me i got to go back to the beginning and jump through the same hoops, even though I took this vaccine, and I'm air quoting around the word vaccine, mm-hmm. because, because we also know that that vaccine is not safe nor effective. It, it both both of those words, both of those aspects are crumbling before our eyes. Right, and this this has to do with the initial line of uh, discussion that you were taking is that we we now are recognizing how illusory the world is, or how how false the narrative is in most of the institutions, if not all of the institutions that we're we're dealing with, and so we we end up playing a game of charades every time we go into public or into into one of these places like the public schools, right? The public schools in Utah, at least, have not been required to mask up at a statewide level. I think in in some counties are they having to mask up, or in some districts, do you know? Uh, Salt Lake County Mayor instituted a school wide mask mandate. I have no idea if they're following if it's it. It's being enforced. I'm sure in certain little enclaves. For the, for the vast majority of Utah, it's it's not happening. Well, Down and, in Utah County, it's and not life, happening. Life's back to normal in so many different ways. You know, high school students are going to class I'll tell you what, there was five no, days a week. There's no lack of attendance at the BYU game, which I attended B- for the first time BYU in several years. Football game there was maybe one in 20 people were wearing masks. But the, but the stadium was packed. Stadium was packed. And there packed. was no such thing as social distancing. These high school football games are packed. There's high school dances happening. And there's not a mask to be seen other than a few outliers here and Which there. is really, it's really good because they're, they're at virtually no risk, these kids, of spreading it. Right. Or, I mean, the, again, the big lie, listeners, the big lie, the big lie that this is all based on is the idea that healthy people can spread this virus. 
which has never been the case in epidemiology, virology. We've always known that healthy people don't spread illnesses, and they, they tricked us. They tricked the public by calling that asymptomatic spread, mm-hmm. what, and what it means is healthy people are spreading it. People who are not showing symptoms somehow are spreading this virus. That's the big lie. And, and that in order to prevent that, you have to yeah. lock down, stay at home. Everyone. Everyone has distance. to lock down. And of course, if you accept that lie, then there's there's no exit. There's no end because healthy healthy it, people it, it, spread it, germs and, and infect other healthy people. With then, an invisible enemy. This is the invisible right. enemy. That's there's the no thing. end to that. Yeah. This is for for the for the side of the public discourse that has been censored. This is called into question the nature of our immune systems and viruses and immunology in general. I mean, there's a lot of people now that are exploring the terrain theory versus the germ theory ideas simply because it's so preposterous what's been going on in the mainstream. There, this idea that if you get if you touch a virus, if somehow you get a virus into your system that you're all of a sudden going to get sick is now in question. And it's, and it should be in question because that happens every year. A lot of people from the same house households will have a a situation where one person gets the flu really bad and another person is totally fine. Right? So now we, we really ought to be asking ourselves, does the body work that way? Do germs really work the way that they've, that they've been sold to us by the public that somehow if you, you know, that we have to treat, viruses or or people who appear to be sick like a, like a pariah like a leper you know do we really have to to believe that or is it possible that there are things that will help us to overcome illness that we that we could be doing like taking certain types of vitamins exercising regularly whatnot it's funny because i was i was listening to the last american vagabond podcast the other day i'll put a link to this on the on the website but i like their podcast this guy's really good they do a daily podcast i don't know if you have time to you know check in (laughs) with as much material as they're putting out and and they're, they're really good exposing all of the lies and hypocrisy surrounding the coronavirus thing but like the details, like we're talking the gory details. If you want a lot, like if you just want to be dunked in and drowned in the gory details of all the hypocrisy and lies relative to coronavirus, go to the lastamericanvagabond.com and spend the two and a half hours a day watching them dissect all this stuff. But we know it's a lie. That's the thing. I mean, you were telling me right before the podcast that you you were basically been overloaded. It's like, Australia, New Zealand, they're, they're still at it. And, and how can it get worse, right? I mean, right. how long can people put up with this? That's another question. But anyway, Last American Vagabond, this is what I was getting to, is that he, he had on the podcast a couple of days ago a clip of Fauci saying exactly what I just said, that, oh, no, don't. He, he, like, he, he's being interviewed by a guy who's like, should I be worried? Should I... Should I uh, turn? A, should I wear a mask? Should I turn away if somebody coughs or is about ready to sneeze? And he laughs at him. The, he laughs at the interview and he says, "No, no, 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 no! Don't, don't be so ridiculous. 
the things you need to do, which you probably aren't doing, is you need to exercise more. You need to eat healthy. This is Dr. Fauci. And the, the problem is it's two or three years ago relative to a non-coronavirus virus that's probably airborne, meets all the same criteria, except that the, the narrative hasn't shifted. So that's the world we're living in. That's the world, and, and, the, and the, we're also going to link to an article by a guy named Mark Stein, who's a Canadian journalist, who talks about these lies and the, and the changes, the, the type of hypocrisy that we're, we're living in. That, that's the type of world, that's how bad it is, is that you literally have the ringleader or the public face of the conspiracy on record, not so many years ago, telling people how to, how to deal with a virus or how to deal with a, an illness. And it's 100% completely contradictory to what he's saying today and has been saying for the last well, that's, 18 months. That's, <clears throat> that's how you gaslight people. Um, Explain what gaslighting is. Well, I think, it gets, I think it gets used incorrectly a lot. But basically, a gaslighting is when you convince somebody that uh, what they're doing or what they're saying or what they're seeing isn't actually what they're doing or what they're saying or what they're seeing. You know, do, do, you know, uh, do you know the uh, origin uh, of the term? Tell I, us about I it. I don't know the origin, but I, the, a good example, an example you often hear is, is telling somebody that they're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. You, you must be crazy. Uh, there's some movies or uh, examples that... I'm sort well, the of, ultimate example is the movie Gaslight, uh, right? From 1944, where the term comes from. Do you, are you aware of this movie? I've heard of it. Okay, uh, an American psychological thriller film dictated, di- dictated, directed by George Cukor and starring Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman, right? And Angela Lansbury in her film debut. It follows a young woman whose husband slowly manipulates her into believing that she is descending into insanity. Right, right. And I think that's what I was sort of remembering. And, and so in the modern sense, in the, in the current context, there's been a lot of really good examples of it. For, exam- for example, pandemic of the unvaccinated. They're trying to make us all believe that it's the unvaccinated that are causing the, the current wave or going back. Uh, you know, to Fauci, Fauci in in March or April of 2020 laughed at the idea of wearing masks. And then a few weeks later, he's telling everybody to wear masks and saying that that's always been the deal. We've always been at war with East Asia. You know, that 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 sort of uh, media campaign in 1984 is a good example of gaslighting. We've always been at war with Eurasia. We've always been at war with East Asia. It's to make you believe that make you believe something that isn't true and also to make you believe that you're responsible for the bad thing that's happening that isn't true. So how do you overcome gaslighting? It's a pretty subtle technique, right? I mean, it's like... It is, and it's, it's often... An, indir- an indirect... It's like a guerrilla war, guerrilla war on your mind, isn't it? it is, is that the way we could describe it? And it's often in- instigated by someone in authority. You know, in the Doctrine and Covenants, we have a verse that that condemns that, you know, concludes with amen to the priesthood of that man. 
it's unrighteous dominion. Gaslighting is unrighteous dominion. And so when you have the news media or the government or doctors or experts, people that we're used to kind of looking to for guidance on certain things, doing it, it's, a, it's an abuse of their station and of their, of their power. How do you overcome it? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. So it's generally somebody with influence that's doing it. At least that's when it's most effective. Right. You can have, I think it happens a lot in marriages or relationships. Either an abusive male can do it, but also a manipulative, conniving female can do it. And I I understand I'm being stereotypical there, but that's why, you know, it's a stereotype for a reason. So go ahead. Well, so I don't know how to, I don't know how to overcome it other than trying not to ever be susceptible to it. But I think we probably all are in one way or another. Well, I I think we want to explore the mechanics of it a little bit more. What I think you're describing, and I think people would agree, is that gaslighting is most effective when done by somebody. It's only effective when, when it's engaged in by someone who holds a position of trust, right? If you're a spouse... Your spouse is going to trust you theoretically. <laughs> if you're married, right. you should, and you don't trust each other, you shouldn't be married. Well, often it happens, but, and the victim doesn't even know that they're being manipulated or gaslit. Right, and that's that was the. If ev- you know it, that's that was the evil genius of the the coronavirus thing is that it was set up on a global scale and it's been moving so slowly that people, you know, the the events were real and then they tell you what those events mean. And then it, only later, you know, months later, does it become obvious that they lied about what what the reality was in order to manipulate you, right? So, right. so here we have uh, someone in a position of trust. In our case, it's the, the institutions or the mainstream media, and they're all tied together. But we, we didn't just have... When I say institutions, I'm talking about corporations and churches and, and governmental agencies and, and uh, educational institutions. These guys all in lockstep in March of last year said the sky was falling. Right. Ho- hospital institutions, you know, two weeks to slow the spread. Why? So that we can protect a private industry to protect the private hospital industry who over the last 18 months has shot themselves in the foot they've fired people they 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 fired people last year because they they'd closed everything down and they didn't have any work for them and then now they're losing people because they are forcing them to get vaccinated and, right. and a certain a percentage of the nurses and doctors are are quitting their jobs it may be a small percentage but it's enough to affect this delicate balance that the right. hospitals have tried to strike when, relative when to supply and capacity. When this institution tells you that you need to lose your job so these other people can keep theirs, and then to make you feel good and responsible and righteous about doing that, that's manipulation. <laughs> They're making you basically, they, they made us basically commit, commit industry or uh, professional and society Suicidal suicide, so they could, so they could keep their jobs, you know, and and they didn't even keep their jobs. We were told we were told it's a dangerous downward spiral. We were told that there's essential jobs and there's non-essential jobs, and what that really means is that there there are people who are essential and those who are not, and those who are disposable. That's part of this big bag of lies that we've been living through and this hypocrisy that we're witnessing. You know, right now. 
right now I've seen a few examples, some local, some on national television where rich and wealthy and famous and important people are enjoying themselves at a party or a gala or an award show or whatever. And the hired help, the people bringing them hors d'oeuvres and snacks and wine and whatever are all masked up and faceless. And we're creating a two-tiered society based on these lies. And that's another form of gaslighting. It's another form of manipulation. That the, and the masks are such a great way to do it. They're such a great tool because they're visible. They're visible. And you know, you know who's living in the bubble or, or who is supporting the lie. That's one of the big reasons I never wanted to wear a mask and almost never did is because I was not... One, well, the first reason because I don't care about anybody. <laughs> right? That's another manipulation and, and lie that if you don't wear a mask, you're selfish. But I wasn't willing to support the lie. I wasn't willing to participate in this big lie. Now, it's been hard because, you know, it's been hard not to participate in the lie in some way or another because it's it's affected every little corner of our universe you know you go to the grocery store there's plexiglass i can't tear that plexiglass down and say this doesn't do anything to the contrary there have been studies that show it actually makes it worse right respiratory syndromes worse i think masks i think a lot of what anything that restricts your respiration makes your respiration a lot of what we've been told is the keeping us safe has made things worse and i think the vaccine is well, that's, that the big, that's the big question right now is, is it a pandemic of the unvaccinated or is it a pandemic of the vaccinated? There's a lot of data coming out showing that the vaccinated people are the ones that are having these COVID episodes. So how do you, how do you overcome or push back against gaslighting? Well, maybe that ties into the church attendance. Do you, do you just stop attending? I mean, <laughs> you just stop participating. Do you, do you cease to you, cease to give it your attention? Do you ignore it? Well, in the larger, I mean, because why aren't why aren't people attending church? Right, and that's a that's because that's a, that's, a, that's a an easy. They they have to go to the DMV to get their car stuff. Yeah. They have to go. So, well, you don't have to go to school. A lot of there's a lot, there's been a lot of homeschooling up up to pick, uptick in homeschooling right. this last little while because of this. Uh, yeah, you we, don't you don't have to attend the BYU game. I the first thing I asked my uh, acquaintance who gave me the ticket was, "Am I going to have to wear a mask? What was it like?" You know, they they weren't. It was interesting because I didn't go through a metal detector. It seems like the war on terror, the surveillance terror state thing, the the surveillance state terror thing is no longer an issue because i mean they said no bags but i could have easily brought uh you know you can bring a sniper rifle in down my pant leg they check bags they have a guy there yeah they check well they said no bags on the ticket yeah but if you bring like a purse or something oh yeah they'll they'll ask to look inside no they weren't patting me down to see if i was concealed carrying right you know and they didn't they didn't care about the mask I mean, you know, I did sneak in a granola bar. I wasn't going to pay like $9 for... No, you can bring food in. Oh, really? Yeah. They used to not allow that. Uh, unless something's changed, you can bring outside food in. Maybe yeah. they've changed that, but... But, 
but yeah, the, 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 you know, last year they only allowed 6,000 people and this is a stadium that holds 65,000. Yeah. So they're like 10% attendance and masks are supposed to be enforced. You know, we're outside and we're, you know, separated. So the, so it's a little silly. Do you just, is it civil disobedience or is it just ignoring what, what is it that overcomes this? Cause there, there's a lot of ways that this is, this has affected our society. Well, I think first question or the first step is to figure out if you're being gaslit and by who, whom the, the good, at least, you know, to make lemonade out of lemons. I like to say making lemonade lemons out of lemonade, but, uh, the fact that we're in America and the fact that we live in the Midwest, at least you and I do, is a huge plus for us because there are places in the world right now where it's it's beyond gaslighting, right? Like you're dealing in Australia and New Zealand with just complete and total control. I mean, how? my question is, how do they have the money to pay the all those police to, to have four guys attacking the guy in the wheelchair who is out for a... Well, got, a stroll too far from his home. They've got their printing press, just like we do. Is that? I mean, how many? Don't you have to have most of the most of the people employed by the state at that point? What wasn't there? Weren't there some statistics out about like East Germany or communist Russia in that? At one point, you know, one in four people was a paid informant of the government. The problem is with that Australia, the, is that where you want to live? The problem with Australia is they don't have to have one in four people paid to be informants that they have one in four people who are cheering this on and in, in full on support of these lockdown camps and beating up old ladies and macing them for going 3.1 kilometers from their front door. So they've fully succumbed to the mind virus. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been protests. That's why those people are getting beat because they're daring to push back. They're, they, it seems to me but, that you, you you would think there would be a point where the protests would stop, but I've, at least from the news I've seen, they're starting to get more and more violent, and there seems to be more and more people coming out. I'm wondering at what point here in the United States the protests start. Well, they did start. New York has started the protests. There were thousands yeah, of people true. over the weekend protesting but, but the you, vaccine you mandates. You can't take that. That's, that's not worth anything, because as we all know, downtown New York City, Manhattan is just Trump town, man. That's MAGA country, and you can't. You can't take that seriously. All those MAGA so supporters. So they were MAGA supporters? Of course, man. Only MAGA supporters going to push back against the mandates. Bobby, I think you're mistaken because all the MAGA supporters were at a September 18th rally to free the January 6th protesters. Hello, fellow insurrectionists. <laughs> okay, for the, explain to the listeners, for the uninformed, what that was all about. Well, I had never heard of this This. I think it was called Justice for J6 was the official name. Right. I, and this I, is this is significant because there are people still in jail being held for trespassing without bail. Not just jail, but uh, like apparently. Federal like federal prison or something. Bad like, conditions. Like, uh, you know, solitary confinement type stuff. For trespassing. For trespassing at a place where the police literally invited them in and let them in. I don't, I don't know if that's trespassing at that point. Well, that's what they're being completely intimidated. Not this is no longer gaslighting. This is for you know being beaten into submission via right. long imprisonment. You know, you you will you will take a plea bargain because we're not going to give you your uh, bill of rights secured rights. 
the, the, the rights that are expressly outlined in the amendments of the Bill of Rights, the, these are the types of things that are being denied them. Due process of law is what I'm right. searching for. Well, they're being treated like terrorists. Yeah. And we set the precedent with, you know, a decade of, or two War decades on terror. of grabbing terrorists and throwing them into Guantanamo without any yeah. due process. So there was a good reason for a protest here. Terrorists. There was a, there was a good reason for people to be... But this, uh, yeah, it's called Justice for J6. And of course, the Capitol threw their fencing back up and the Capitol Police now were out there in force with body armors and, and guns. Riot and gear. Riot gear. And Trump came out and said, don't go to this. It's a setup. So did all of, uh, and, and Roger Stone. Right. Not Oliver Stone. Ro- there's, there's a difference between Roger Stone and Oliver Stone. Just FYI for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, Roger Stone who, if you don't know who that is, he's a longtime kind of Trump associate, Trump advisor. And he said the same thing. And I'd never heard of it. And But again, I'm not that plugged into that kind of stuff. But the the only reason I heard of it was that one, Trump was calling it a setup, and two, the media was hyping it as a potential for more violence, another insurrection, another uh, violent uprising. And... The day of the, it was last Saturday, right? September eighteenth. The day of the, the uh, insurrection arrives, and there are far more media there than protesters. And also, some people <laughs> found they were taking pictures. It turns of out there wasn't just media there. <laughs> taking pictures of people that were supposedly, you know, attendees that were very obviously feds. Government agents, undercover. Not very good, undercover. Agent provocateurs. And at one point... The, Turns out it was mostly them. At one point, the Capitol Police arrested a person who allegedly was told was said to have a gun. And it turns out that that person was an FBI agent undercover. So they arrested themselves, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of great memes... You know, tying it into AOC's dress, which we already talked about, her dress, you know, tax the rich. Did we talk about that on the air? We kind of alluded to it. We were uh, kind of... Well, someone, playfully, someone, took this we, photo, <laughs> someone took this photo of these fed, the fed boys, as they were called, and photoshopped them into that dress. But instead of tax the rich, <laughs> they made it say uh, MAGA country. Okay, you know, and it was. It's, I've got to see that one. You're gonna have to send a that lot one to of, me. A lot of great memes from this one photo of these five or six guys, which are so clearly, so obviously federal, federal agents. agents. You know, they've got the same watches and the same haircuts, and they just they're look, wearing the same clothes, the same, but not the same clothes. But they're wearing it's like the very, same. They're like hipster shorts, and it's like they all went t-shirts. One of them, I, one of the memes I saw, it showed it. It it's it, you know had the picture and it had a. Uh, like an advertisement on it for Abercrombie and Snitch. <laughs> and, you know, because they've got these Abercrombie type clothes on, but. You and know, then they're looking menacingly, menacingly yeah, at anyone taking right. photos it's, of them. <laughs> but the, the, the rally, the insurrection, whatever you want to call it, turned out to be a big giant joke and a big giant lie. And, and remember, go back to the aftermath of January 6th. Remember that your capital city was locked down a couple weeks later, right? When there was supposed to be this nationwide capital insurrection takeover protest day. I remember even our capital 
there were national guards surrounding it and i think about 30 people showed up to this a rally to protest the point was remember they're protesting the election results and there was clear and copious evidence of fraud oh my but (laughs) i just showed him the picture (laughs) we will we will put that on the website but but the point is that this threat of domestic terrorism, which Joe Biden addressed, spent significant time in his inaugural address talking about, is a lie. There is, a no, there is no nefarious movement of white supremacist insurrectionists that are trying to overthrow the U.S. government. They are attempting, and they have been attempting for decades, to, make, to create this internal war. They've been trying really hard. Right. And, that, and, and, and people are, happen to be smart. People who are conservative Trump supporters, you know, people who are, hold to tr- what we'd call traditional Republican values. Okay. You know, I know there's a fake left-right paradigm, but th- it's funny how stupid the intelligentsia is on the left, the traditional left, the, what we'd call the illiberal left. They somehow think that the people on the right aren't very smart. These are very smart people. They're not idiots. They don't, you're not going to go out and fight the government. Like Joe Biden said, everybody understands they have the F-15s and the nukes. Right. And so there was no insurrection. There was a protest, and the, there were a million people at it. And what appears to be happening is that in spite of every effort made to gaslight and manipulate the public— over half of the country is not buying it. Well, because it's so absurd. I mean, they're telling us that the signs of far-right extremism are uh, good grades right. and traditional family values <laughs> and uh, it seems know, patriotism. To me, and, that, and that's this gets back to the lack of attendance at church. I, I, maybe I shouldn't be trying to tie this in, but in, in, light, of, in light of that letter that our higher ups put out that we must vaccinate and wear masks i think i think we're we're those of us that are not going along with the narrative i think we're just in search of dopamine like i had i had a really fun time at the byu game they were all at the byu game why because they got a good team this year and the level of pageantry and the level of production was miles beyond anything i've ever seen it was like the height yeah of babylon and football and dopamine Football. I was at the game too, and I, I've been a BYU football fan since I was a little kid. I've been to, if you you name one, you you name it as a BYU football home game here. You know, in in the great town of Provo, which we do not live in, or maybe we do. I, I've been i I have been to just about every home football game since since I was a kid. I mean, there's a, there's some exceptions. you're that regular, huh? Yeah, my my family's been. Tick, thick and thin you're a true holder, fan true fan ticket holders for years and years and I've, i i was i would think i was like 13 or 14 years old when they beat number one miami and i ran out onto the field like oh I, yeah i thought i was uh you know the bomb. Be, i thought i might be arrested <laughs> <clears throat> but i've been there through thick and thin and um it's fun it's fun and it and it, it sparks a bit of institutional pride which is kind of the point but it's also uh, uh this what would you call it? There's this mass 
and there's an energy of the masses. There's yeah. a communal, there's a communal energy and that's I, really real. It's and like, I, I've it's addressed, amazing thing. I've addressed this in the past. Those were the type of experiences that were taken away from us immediately. The, the mass community experiences and sports is one of those, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, sports aren't, aren't super important. Right. And well, I what, what do you is, mean by the grand scheme of things? Because I would say they're in, it depends on how you're looking at it. If what, you're looking at it I relative is, to this world, they are incredibly important relative to the world. What I mean is, is let's say BYU had lost that game. We would all go on with our lives, right? We'd be disappointed. But I think you're right in the sense that they're, they're rituals and, and they're a social ritual and they're a, they're a place for social people. festivals. They're a place for people to come together from all walks of life. And in many ways, they're an equalizer in the sense that poor people can be great at sports and play and be stars, uh, just like rich people, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, if you want to play all those games, right? Mm-hmm. But also among the fans. Among the fans, with a very small exception of you know the owner who, who sits up there lording over everybody in an expensive suit, you know what I've never understood is, and, you, and this is really true in football. They always cut to the owner and the GM, the general manager. Up yeah, there in the, yeah. In the, in, in behind, the box, they're always behind glass. Yeah, you know, sipping some food, you know, some drink or eating. Sometimes you see them eating, you know, peasant food like nachos and popcorn. <laughs> but they're always in in a suit. I'm like, you're at a football game. Why aren't you wearing? Why aren't you wearing a like sweatshirt that says a logoed logoed yeah, merchandise? Yeah. yeah. Why aren't you? You know. I always appreciated Mark Cuban for that. I mean, he's kind of obnoxious, but when he first bought the Dallas Mavericks, he would be right there on the front row wearing a Mavericks jersey and swearing at the refs, right? Yeah. He'd got fined a lot, and he's kind of toned that down. But <laughs> but this, it's an equalizer in the sense that a fan can be in that stadium, and maybe you're way up high, maybe you're down close to the field. It doesn't really matter. You're yeah. there, and you're part of that energy. You know, you, you bring this up. I think there's a great example from that game that BYU versus Arizona State game, the crowd hurt Arizona State. It caused four or five because of penalties. Their, their volume. They were loud. And yeah, Arizona State had like five, four or five false start penalties late in that game that really cost them their right. if chance to win. If you're not a football fan, a false start occurs when the offensive line and the quarterback are not in sync and because they, they have to all move at the same time. Otherwise... It's called a false start. It's not right. fair to the defense if they fa- if they try to fake right. fake them into coming over offsides, and so or coming over too early and them getting a penalty. So the the offensive line is supposed to move all at the same time, or the actually it's not just the offensive line; it's the entire the, offense. The they, they can offense. have one guy moving, and uh, he can move side to side. But if you can't hear what they call the snap count, which means the quarterback yelling out when to hike the ball. Right then you end up getting called with that penalty. And it was so loud that this occurred five times, right? Four or five four, times, four or five maybe times. six times. It was pretty, it was pretty at, funny. At a, a critical point in the game. But, and that, that's the loudest I've ever heard it. But that type of experience is what was taken away from us. You know, I was high-fiving strangers around me. Yeah. Um, it was an exciting game. It was a really good game. I've even been at games, whether it's you know uh, BYU football or Utah Jazz, where I'm sitting near or next to someone who's rooting for the other team, mm-hmm. and we've become you know temporary friends. Me, you know, we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We don't hate each other. You need high five. You say that was a really great play by your team or whatever. 
these these events these these sports especially can bring bring people from all areas of life and they're united under un, uh, behind one common cause for a little while that's important and that and then that since sports are very important mm-hmm. well i also and that's what church is supposed to be that's what uh, going to a movie is supposed right. to see, be. See, I think we're a society in search of dopamine. We've been denied this dopamine or this... We've been fed a fake kind of artificial source of it with likes and comments and things on our social media. Social media is a is a dopamine factory, and we've gotten so much of it from this crappy you know, fabricated source. Yeah, of sort it. of a synthetic dopamine. Right. Like I, I feel like we're in search of real appeasement what's the word i'm looking for joy joy there you go that's right. a good word thanks bobby and, and i was yeah. looking for a, like a longer word but that <laughs> that three-letter word there that's a really good joy we're in search of some sort of happiness some sort of sort of la- more more than just a a, a shout out on social media or right. a response or, right. so we're in search of a of a, an experience this is going to give us at least some some more temp more lasting than that very temporary dopamine or right. happiness rather than just the little hit we want to go have the experience and so well, that especially now after a year or so of being denied these communal experiences mm-hmm. you know so i think concerts and sporting events and movie packed movie theaters these kind of things is attendance at the theaters down i know attendance is at the theaters i, is I down. think i think attendance have you been the, recently i i've been a little bit and they weren't full i think theater attendance is down one, the pandemic, yeah, the pandemic, <laughs> but also these movie producing studios are releasing movies almost simultaneously in the theaters and online. Are, do they have any good movies? Well, I don't know because I mean, I mean with, the, with all the wokey, the wokeness, the social yeah. justice crap that's going into these movies. I mean, I think they've I, they're shooting themselves in the foot if they want to. I, I think it was there. a pretty weak summer you know it used to be like the summertime you get pounded with great big right they, at movies. least they'd be making an attempt at a blockbuster and then you'd get another you'd get another little run in the holidays i think it's been pretty weak but you know we talked about free guy a little bit that was a new movie um worth your time yeah definitely well so so you get you've got these situations where people are out in search of joy not just dopamine but joy like they they want some connection they want some joy so the so the football game is well attended, but then attendance is at churches down. Why is that? What what's the what's the problem there? Lay it out for us, Bobby. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I do know. I do know of at least a couple instances here locally that the letter which we addressed in was that episode thirty six thirty six or something. We had we talked about the. The letter. It's uh, entitled, if you want to go listen to our podcast, I think it was a, a worthwhile podcast. It's episode 36 entitled Elephant in the Room. Right. I do know that they're of a few people, and I don't know them individually. I just know that that there are people who have said that letter has pushed them over the edge. And these are people that you know you would consider, you know, Stalwart, true, and what? What's the BYU? Stalwart, uh, brave, and true. Stalwart. Loy- loyal, brave, and true. No, stalwart men and true. I think is how so, it goes. I think they had changed it from men. I think they they had loyal, to, strong, and true is what they anyway, changed it to. Right. These are people that you would not 
expect to ever have issues with the church, right? And there are people who are saying, I'm on the verge of not coming back because of that letter. And I, I, th- I would think that it's not just the letter. The letter was maybe the, the straw, right? The last straw. I, I agree with that. I've, I've argued before, and if you're my elders quorum president who's listening to this, remember that I've pointed out in the past that the problem is that all we're doing is regurgitating conference talks. It's not an interesting meeting. Right. We're, I think that we've, we do a disservice to ourselves, especially the conservatives, to not recognize these are very, very small, smart people on the quote-unquote right. And, and by the way, if you're listening, did you know, fun fact, the presidential election, the president is actually elected by less than one quarter, generally, of the voting, eligible voting public Half of the people don't vote. And I, well, I, there, there's, this, a, there's a lot of reasons for that, I think. Except for Joe Biden. Except for Joe Biden. Joe Biden was Sle- the sleep, most popular sleepy Joe Biden. president ever. 81 million votes. Okay. <laughs> if you believe that, uh, Bobby and I are working up a real estate deal. Um, we're selling lots in South America. Well, I have some ocean, for a hundred million dollars a piece. I have some oceanfront property in Idaho. Okay. That will blow your <laughs> socks off. <laughs> So anyway, the presidential election, generally only about half of the eligible people vote. And so it's a quarter of the voting public that, that actually elects the president. And um, why are we talking about that? Well, I've lost my train about, of thought. Uh, uninteresting meetings and smart people on the right. Oh, yeah. The reason I brought that up is because there's a lot of smart people that aren't necessarily on the right. Perhaps half of the, half of the voting populace is not doesn't consider themselves right or left. And that's the, that's where the media, the, the media machine really gets people is for the last, you know, 70, 80 years, they've been trying to teach people that the middle, that somehow if you, if you land yourself somewhere right between left, the, the extreme left and the extreme right, that you're a, you're a moderate and you're an intelligent independent. And I think the, the advent of the internet has given people so much inver- information that they realize that they don't have to be on that spectrum, that that's a spectrum between statism right, statism left, and that reality, their reality can be somewhere else. And so we're, we, we got to realize there's a lot of really smart people out there. They may not be able to articulate it, but they're not idiots. And so I think it's, I told my elders quorum president, and I'm outing myself a little bit here, but I said, look, it's insulting that we re- we've got a ward with a lot of college-educated people, a lot of people that really ought to consider themselves smarter than they are, or smarter than they think they are, excuse me. They, they really are pretty smart. They just need to wake up, right? This is another thing. I don't know if tangent, but go, go read the book of Isaiah and see how many times he says, awake and awake, or awake and arise. It's like a double-pronged awakening, okay? Pe- people, There's good people out there, and they need to wake up and if you're listening to this podcast, you are the resistance and need to help people wake up and, and we need to become more real. But unless you're an informant, <laughs> you might be the resistance. You might be a, you might be an informant. Boy informant. <laughs> anyway, I told my elders corn president, nice jorts. I, I told him that the problem, cause he was lamenting a few years back that we, certain people weren't coming anymore. And I'm like, well, the problem is that all we do is regurgitate these conference talks. We got smart people. They can listen to conference anytime they want. They they can go on the website. They probably listen to it the first time and remember. And then, you know, let's be honest. The level of 
discourse at general conference is not very high. I, I, you may disagree with me, Bobby. I hope you listeners out there don't burn me at the stake for this, but it's, we it's, should expect it's, more it's out of ourselves. We should expect more out of ourselves. We can set a higher bar. We can do hard things. How many of you have been in a young men's program or a young women's program and taught the kids that they can do hard things? We can have intellectual discussions. Where is the unibly of our day? Where is the, dis- the level of discourse of a guy like Truman Madsen, right? right. W- the- where have all those people gone? They've been run, run off. And why are they not... Why are we not putting our best and brightest well, out there every six months to tell us something new, to tell us something interesting? Joseph Smith said that. He says, I always, I'll have to find this quote, but he says, I always like to find something new for my listeners, something interesting. He doesn't say interesting, but some new little tidbit. Read the King Follett Discourse. Read the April 7th, 1844 General Conference Address. That might shock you right? if you haven't been paying attention to that. Well, and, for, and one, for one issue, and this, you know, your mileage may vary depending on who your instructors are, or your gospel doctrine teachers are, but the curriculum that we've been given doesn't, uh, doesn't necessarily encourage a lot of preparation time and a lot of original thought. Because the thinking it, has in, been done. In the, in the sense of these, where we re- reiterate a talk, well, you, someone who's going to be the teacher is going to pick that talk up maybe the night before, maybe a half hour before church starts, circle a couple paragraphs, and that's that. Now, some of the, some other teachers take more time. But rather than just a topical discussion, or in our, in our case, you know, um, where it's been brought up that church attendance is down, but we're not really addressing that in, in any kind of meaningful way yet. Maybe we will. But the point is, these these centralized curriculum, curriculums, curriculae, curriculi. You're the pronunciator. Caraculi. Caraculi. <laughs> these centralized <laughs> lessons. That's like a an animal from a Star Wars movie. <laughs> right. They it doesn't it doesn't uh, uh, allow for a lot of localized personalization. So if there's a ward out there that's struggling with something, let's, I don't know, topic A, maybe instead of having a talk, having a random guy in the elders quorum choose a random talk from the last six months, maybe they can actually spend a, a month talking about topic A that the ward itself is having an issue with. What if the teacher picked their own topic? Would that be a heresy? Would that be too revolutionary <laughs> it might for be. them to pray about it and <laughs> say, hey, I think this ward would, well, or this was, group of people would love to hear about this topic that I know a lot about or that I think is important, that I've studied on. That is that too would, revolutionary? Yeah, I, I, could, I could give a pronunciating lesson. Well, could, you could say, hey, it has to be in the realm of Mormonism, like something sure, related sure. to church rather well, than just how was, to fix that the was how carburetor the, on your car. That was, <laughs> which actually might be very useful. Yeah. But that, that was how the Come Follow Me program was sold, right? That it was oh, going yeah. to be, and, and remember, it didn't come out a couple years ago. It came out several years ago with the youth first. I think we forget that because I was in the Sunday school. I was the Sunday school president when that rolled out. 
and it was it was would kinda, you like me to refer to you as president flood from now on <laughs> no not until i actually win the former I, i've got former 80, president flood here li- listen i've got 80.5 million votes pledged i just need another million and then you're now the new president yeah okay sorry but it was Train sold it was kind of sold or, or maybe that's not the right word but i think it is <laughs> okay <laughs> As this, there was going to be more spontaneity, more spirit, right? Following the spirit. And yet the curriculum came out and it was still itemized, so approved things to say and to talk about. They more, appro- more appropriately could call it, come follow the manual. I really don't like that they call it that, by the way. Neither They're do I. They're taking the words of the Savior and they've turned them into a product. Hashtag I, hear him. I don't like that. But my point is that there isn't as much room as we like to think there is to the whisperings, the enticings of the spirit when it comes to teaching in, in elders quorum or relief society or or gospel doctrine. Now you can go like one of the, uh, here's a suggestion for those of you out there that are teaching classes. You can end run around this to use a metaphor. Like I said, your mileage may vary because there's some really good teachers. But what you, what you do is you take a quote from the manual and you have somebody read it, and then you've done your duty, and then you take that quote and run off into whatever direction you want to talk about what you think is important. I think you yeah. get away with that. And going back to the to the you know to our our topic, why is church attendance down? Well, is that our topic? Well, no, but it's a question it we've asked. But I think it has to do with with the initial topic. Of lies everywhere, and I'm not the illu- saying the illusory world. I'm That's I, saying, let's call it the illusory I'm world. I'm not saying lies are at church. What I'm saying is that insti- institutions across the board have have lost trust. They've lost trust, and so when you see when you see the news saying something that you know is fake or false, and then you see Fauci saying something that's fake or false, and then you see the the you know people in the government like you know, the president saying things that are fake and false, your faith in them goes down. But then you see your church parroting, parroting that material. Those, your faith in that institution is going to erode. And so the question is, who should we have faith in and how should we act? You know, how does that faith determine right, see, our actions? I wonder if we have a society where... There's been an institutional move over the last many decades, over our lifetimes, to, to make people not think for themselves, to indoctrinate them in these processes, in these, in these procedural institutional types of behavior, like, you know, to cookie cutter, to franchise everything. It's, right. it's very evident in business. Like, you, you want to be successful in business? Here's, here's a how-to book. There's bazillions of them written, right. and here's a franchise you can buy, and if you just do X, Y, Z, you'll have this particular outcome. And in business, that, that is not a guarantee that you're going to make it, okay? You've got to have some, some smarts. Yeah, plenty of guys franchise a McDonald's and still fail. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways to fail in business. So the same applies in all the other aspects of our lives. You can't just follow this cookie-cutter pattern. You have to be a real person, right? And so I wonder if we're at the point where society is sort of in mass, and, and, and this is, we're maybe starting to see it in the church, recognizing that they're more than that. They're more than this cookie cutter 
person, this cookie cutter non-individual, do we have a lot of free guys, guys that are going back to the movie Free Guy? Do we have a bunch of people who have been realizing that they're a bank teller in a video game that keeps getting robbed and they're going, you know what? I'm going to take the gun out of that guy's hand and turn it against him and I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be a real person. I'm going to think for myself and I'm only going to give my energy and time to ideas and endeavors and and things that are working for me, that are bringing me joy or or it's interesting that if i remember right free guy got delayed the release of the movie got delayed because of the the theaters closing and i don't know if the timing on when it came out is better or if it would have been better had it come out before the pandemic (laughs) as a sort of voice of warning or if it would have made i don't know that i don't know if it makes any any difference. difference i think probably eight out of ten people who watch free guy We've had the Matrix for 20 years. Just look at it and go, oh, that's funny. Cool. And we've had the Matrix for 20 We're years. We're getting a Matrix I mean, 4, by the way. Uh, but is it going to be the woke Matrix? I don't know. The See, woke I, the, the, the tricks. The trailer's out. And it's got Neo. So it's got Keanu? Yeah. Keanu. Keanu. And he's just pounding blue pills. He's just like living off of the blue pills. So I guess we're going to find out in the film how he ended up. Popping Are you serious? Pills. Yeah, yeah. He's popping the blue pill. He's popping the blue pills, and then in the trailer, he's like being—he's got has to be re like awoken. And I, I don't know if that's just lazy, like oh, we're just going to kind of parrot the formula of, of the first one, hmm. or we'll see. I mean, it's it's not the Wachowski brothers; it's the Wachowski sisters. And we'll Are see. they producing it? Yeah, same guys. Same, okay, I'm totally out of the ladies, loop on this one. Same ladies. They're ladies now. They're different guys. No, they're ladies now. Do they have an X chromosome? They're they're the Wachowski sisters now. Wait a minute, it's the Y chromosome. Excuse me, right? It's the Y chromosome <laughs> I that. Don't uh, know. <laughs> I think it's the Y chromosome. It's the that's, same uh, individuals that were involved with the originals. Now I don't know if they're the same individuals or it's not. It's the Y chromosome. Sorry, folks, we're flying by the seat of our pants, uh, going off the cuff, as they say. If you but happen these- to have the male genitalia, and if you happen to have a Y chromosome, you might be a male. Anyway, uh, yeah, Neo's popping these blue pills, and I guess we'll see what happens. But it's interesting that there are a lot of these kind of movies out there with this wake-up theme, this awake and arise idea. And Free Guy is one of those, and we've talked about others like Groundhog Day and Truman Show, and those are some other episodes. If you're new around here, you could go and check out but it's obvious that we need to awake and arise now more than ever. You talk about dehumanizing people. You know what's a what's a great way to dehumanize the entire earth? Make them cover their faces, and that's what we've been living through. So, why is church attendance down? <laughs> what would you do, Bobby? What if if you were in charge? I, I well, thankfully. For everybody's sake, I'm not <laughs> in charge of much of anything. But I think, uh, well, if I was in charge of what? 
The ward or the entire church? Isn't that the wrong question? <laughs> because isn't that how we look at it right right now? Is well, that's the, one the, of the, the wrong the wrong guy is in charge, or the, the people no. in charge made a mistake? Or I think the I think I think the wrong question is is expecting someone in charge to be the solution. I think to the so. Problem. I think I just I think I just totally stepped in it and asked asked the question that helps us to recognize the answer because that is the wrong question to ask. What would you do if you were in charge? And that that's what characterizes all of current LDS Mormonism. The, the, well, and just our society the, in general. Yeah, it, or yeah, we're all focused on what Joe Biden is going to do or what... Uh, or expecting Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever, you know, your governor or whatever, to fix the problems when the, the solutions to some of these, at least these pandemic problems, are just you, just you making the change. So you putting, you know, throwing the mask away, you shaking hands with people, you, or if you're on the flip side, you're going to say, well, the solution to the problem is me being vaccinated. And, and, and okay. the unvaccinated so this, this is interesting, undoing though, because, my solution. Yeah, this is interesting, though, because we're at a point in our society, in our societal devolution, where other people are affecting us, right? Isn't that why we, ha- we have to ask the question, what would you do if you're in charge? Or what should we do to affect change in society? Because the society has moved from a situation where we respect each other's natural rights to a point where it's like we can't leave each other alone. I, like I ran into a, a, a guy in the neighborhood, ended up in a two-hour conversation with him uh, on the 16th about because he's struggling with this idea of mandating vaccines. Like he's think he's trying to think. Well, yeah, I guess there is a situation where it's okay for the the government to mandate vaccines. And I said to him, "Well, no, we're the government." You know, he he'd just been talking to me about the the preamble to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. We the people. We the people. And I said, "Well, yeah, we're the government. So if you can't do it to me, why can you vote? Why can you go get three other neighbors?" and vote on it and then do it to me. If the government has no more moral authority than we give it. And, and he start, he's, he's struggling with this. He's trying to find a way to not agree with that. But that's, that's what government is. There is, no, there is no greater good in that sense. This is, this is the fallacy of the social contract, which people like to bring up. If, if we can't contract as individuals and have hard and fast contracts, then society falls apart. And so the, the social contract theory people, they want to say that... The Constitution is a is a is a reinterpretable or quote living document that they can just change what it means on a whim for the greater good. When the founders saw it as a hard and fast contract, if you if you and I made a rental agreement, you know, and I rented your house for a thousand bucks a month, and you said, okay, you can do this, but you can't make any improvements. And if I turned around the next year and said, well, you know, I'm only going to pay you five hundred bucks a month, and then I'm going to paint the house fluorescent green. Because this is a living contract, I mean, you would be apoplectic. You would that that can't happen. You can't have a real society where where there's that kind of ambiguity. And that's what they the the public schools, the oligarchy has has done to America relative to the meaning of the Constitution and the founding documents. And this is this is significant because it was Constitution Day the other day. Did you did you know that September seventeenth is the day the Constitution was signed? Right. And and Google bless their little black hearts. No, don't bless them. You know how they have that little. They they every day they do some sort of an animation. Yeah, the, the, they call that the uh, Google Doodle, I believe. I think it's the Google propaganda propaganda doodle. <laughs> um, 
on Constitution Day, their little doodle was that there was some woman somewhere in the world that's 133 years old. It's Constitution Day. Well, I haven't been able to confirm this, but apparently the National Archives has a content warning now on their Constitution page. That is correct. A content warning on the Constitution. Yeah, it may trigger you. It may contain racist material. I'm going to say it again so the people listening on 1.75 speed can hear this. (laughs) A content warning on the Constitution. Okay. That's how far we've got. Yeah, social justice wokeism has destroyed us at, at those levels, at the institutional levels. Well, institutions, uh, <clears throat> more over the last two years, and I'm just going to say two years now, the institutions have, it's interesting because they've, they've simultaneously crumbled before our eyes when it comes to credibility and, you know, the expert class. But at the same time, they have more, they've consolidated power and authority in unprecedented ways. You know, that Mark Stein article you pointed out, he, he points out that Facebook and Apple and Google are more powerful than most nation states in the world. And he's right. These tech companies can, can determine what we see, uh, when we see it, who we hear, you know, which voices we hear, who has a voice anymore. They can make or break anybody if they want to. They can promote somebody and give them 10 million fake followers and push that, you know, YouTube, YouTube loves to, YouTube's got an algorithm that's supposed to recommend stuff based on your, your subscriptions and your watching habits. And it does a pretty decent job, but in the middle of that, they'll jam stuff down your throat, uh, make a big banner of COVID-19 safety videos. You know, for a while there, there was a lot of supposed influencers interviewing Fauci. And it was so funny that if you saw that pop up in your feed, you might not think about much about it. But when they put a banner, a whole row of all of these influencers and Fauci, it's pretty obvious that it's mm-hmm. a propaganda campaign, that yeah. it's a paid... He says, he says, I do not understand why the right, which is always two steps behind Stein, on Stein, these things... Right? Yeah. Stein says. He says, I don't understand why the right, which is always two steps behind on these things, is blithering like nincompoops about how these are private companies and it's nobody's business what they do. These companies, by the way, seeded with CIA government money. They're hardly private. These companies, such as Facebook and Google, are more powerful than most nation states today. True. That's correct. At some point, they will be more powerful even than the United States. Now, that's where Stein's wrong, because they are today currently say, more think, powerful I, than I the United States. To that point. In fact, they own the United States. The same people that own them own the United States. And that's right. where he, his article breaks down. He's got a great article. talks about, it's called The Hinge Moment in History. It's not an article. It was a, it's a, compiled from a talk he gave to uh, uh, the Gates, what's it called? The not the Gates. Gates Stone or... Yeah, the Gatestone Institute. Uh, Not affiliated with Bill and Melinda Gates or Bill and or Melinda Gates <laughs> because they are now a separated entity. Is she going to take her maiden name back? Who? I don't, no, I don't nobody know. knows what that is. I don't know. A- anyway, uh, yeah, this is compiled from a talk that he gave or a speech that he gave to that, that group. But 
he makes some really good points and he he's talking about the hinge moment in history how this coronavirus or this corona circus episode has been that moment where people realize that the united states is not the force that it was he points out how there there was uh let's see hold on a second here He points out that no one in Britain was aware of it at the time. The term the British Empire was used seriously basically until Suez, okay? The Anglo-French-Israeli operation against Nasser's Egypt that Washington, the United States of America, decided to scuttle. At that point, after that, it was hard to use the phrase British Empire with a straight face because it was obviously that it was no longer any such thing. And he points out how the French went through that same problem a few hundred years ago at Trafalgar, where the French had controlled Europe, and then it became clear that it was the British Empire that was really in control. And after that, after the Suez incident, it becomes clear that it's the Americans that are really in control. And now he, he, he's, I think this talk must have been given before the, the Afghanistan episode. Yeah, at the bottom I think it it's says, like a month ago. At the bottom it says, compiled from an address given earlier this year. It doesn't do Yeah, but it has to have been before the Afghanistan episode mm-hmm. because it is not, he's right. This is prophetic. It's clear that the United States is not what they seem. They're a big paper tiger or something. And China is obviously chomping at the bit. And the article, from a geopolitical standpoint, is really good because he goes through all of the um, the reasons why we should understand that China is essentially the world superpower. How they, you know, if you if you're homo if you say anything homophobic, homophobic over here in the United States, you get canceled. But China can come out and say that homosexuality is a mental illness, and people like Disney and the big corporations they don't Apple, say the NBA anything, right? And there well, was a, there's a big double standard. You know, we've talked about video games and movies a lot on the in, on this show, and every every video game and every movie that releases in the United States or internationally and also in China has a different version. You know, one one famous example was the movie The Force Awakens, which was the Star Wars kind of reboot. Right. And the movie poster here had the uh actor, I don't remember his name, but he played the 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 stormtrooper that had defected um He's black. He's a black guy. Yeah. And I don't remember either his real name or his character name. But now you remember the character if you've seen it. Um, you know, he's he's prominently, you know, you, you've probably seen the traditional Star Wars posters where they have the, the principal characters and, you know, the famous one with Luke raising his, his lightsaber in the air and Leia kind of draped at his feet. Well, they do that, you know, they, they did that for these new ones and, um, the the actor there is on the U- United States version of it, but he's not on the Chinese version of it because they don't like to portray black people in public. John Boyega, right? That's him. Um, video games have often uh, two versions, you know, ones that are censored for China, ones that are not. And these companies that 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 do that are willing to do it because China provides a big chunk of cash. That that's the only reason. And uh, they don't want to jeopardize that because probably I don't know how much revenue. I don't think it's just money. I think it's it's power. I mean, they these people have been propping China up for a long time, and it's because Uh, the 
No, no, listen. It's because the oligarchy knows where to get the slave labor. Right. And this is the huge hypocrisy. This is what I think our listeners are smart enough to understand. We are massive hypocrites in this country, okay? You ha- and, and nothing illustrates it more than when they were tearing down these Confederate statues. He says, this is Stein, he says, there's a moral component that we are overlooking. We live in an insane world where moral narcissism attaches to whether or not you rampage around some statue of a Confederate general who died 150 years ago. The fact that you're rampaging around the Confederate general while wearing shoes made by child labor somehow does not impact your moral virtue at all. That is... that. That's an amazing statement, and I hadn't even thought of it in those terms. I think that's important for, for us, me and you, and our listeners to grapple with. Well, Everything right. we have, yeah. like, look around the room. Find, find something that was made in America. It's going to be in the vast minority of I the was, things in your house. I was made in America. You were conceived <laughs> by in an America. Italian, you were conceived by an, of. By an Italian heritage. <laughs> <laughs> But but you're right. I mean, and, and there there's so many examples of stuff like that, and we're all guilty of it in some way or another. But you know, you've got the vegan, right, who wears tennis shoes. Tennis shoes have rubber on them, or who drives a car. You know, but they're not going to eat any animal products, but they will use them to survive and to get around and to clothe themselves and to shelter themselves and to communicate with other people. Yeah, there it, it's he he's he's right, and and. It, and in some ways, it's kind of harmless, right? Like a vegan who also drives a car. Yeah, whatever. But in the many ways, it's not harmless. Like a government who, uh, you know, forces us all to lock down and calls us domestic terrorists while also droning a family that they got the, you know, that they thought were ISIS-K, which is, by the way, completely made up. But they've been but they've been transferring technology and money to China for decades. In the nineties, the, there was oh right. I mean, we're, we yeah. I think it was Catherine Austin Fitz that talked about this. So there was an admission in the by some of the bankers right before nine eleven that all the money was now going over into China, and that America was sort of a lost cause. We th- this this is a an institutional geopolitical shift. This is, was, was engineered this way. And <laughs> I have to say, I think we in Utah have been part of that. We've been cheerleading that. We, uh, we've been doing more than cheerleading it. Utah has some strange ties to China. You know, uh, well, Governor Huntsman, the former governor, right. uh, John Huntsman Jr., ends up and he's on the World Economic Forum, by the way. Is he a member of the Council on Foreign Relations? I don't know, I probably. Don't know. Uh, was he in the secret uh, ceremony the other day? <laughs> the but the he guy, becomes, was, he becomes the, he, he quits his job as governor and he becomes the ambassador to China. Why? Right. Well, because he speaks Chinese. <laughs> That's the what they told us, right? Is that why? Are you aware of the background of, um, I don't, you might even have to cut this, cut this from the podcast. I don't know if our listeners are ready to even contemplate these ideas. Garrett Gong, who is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, has mm-hmm. huge roots from China. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Right. Now, Rhodes Scholar is an interesting thing to discuss sometime. 
he uh, graduated from Oxford, and his resume, essentially, if you go to Wikipedia, is like right out of the State Department, right out mm-hmm. of this same chain of globalist thinkers. I believe he's Council of Foreign Relations. And he was advising the Twelve long before he became an apostle. Right. And I'm not saying anything in a racial sense like the Chinese are bad, okay? The Chinese people are good, but we're looking at a pattern here where power is being shifted around the world to manipulate the masses. We've We've always been at war with East Asia and Eurasia, and Oceania. See, the, the oligarchy has always been at war with the people of each of those three super, super states. That's what we don't understand, is the war is always against us. It's always the rulers against the people versus the people. They right. want to make it the people right. versus the people. Well, they're trying very hard to make it the people versus the people, and they've done a great job. And so why is church attendance down? Well, because our whole lives, everything in our lives right now, all of our relationships from... The national narrative, you know, left versus right, down to your families and your communities and your LDS wards is being torn to pieces, is being torn to shreds over stupid things like masks and vaccines and BLM and pride and economics and whatever. It's all designed to rip us to shreds, and it's working. It's working quite well. I mean, I think probably everybody who's listening to this has an acquaintance or a cousin or a brother or somebody that they don't want to ever talk to again. I know we've both seen Amen, it. brother. And that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. They're because they're 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 ripping us to shreds. Now, you could also say it's a good thing in the sense that maybe it's time to it's time to divide ourselves into into tribes and there's, this is the way you get prominent conquered. you've said this this is the way you get it, conquered it, it is of course it is divide and conquer right it's like art of war 101 yeah there's been some prominent voices out there primarily on the left saying it's time to break up like celebrities and stuff it's time to break up america you've been saying that for a while not that it's time I'm to saying break that's up, what they intend to do but it's coming right and i think it would be a catastrophe for that yeah i'm not i'm not a proponent of let's do this or let's do that I'm just an observer. Right. I would like to right. I would like to classify myself as an as an observer and say, look, this is what's happening. Is it good or bad? And we're it, we're we've we've always thought we could, and they, and they give you this illusion that you can influence events. But the oligarchy is so powerful, and their manipulation of the minds of the masses is so powerful that really, you you wake up and all you, you almost feel powerless. All you can really do is observe now. Eric, last week when we talked, was right. We should do certain things. We need right. to stand up. But first, first is to get your mind right. First is to repent. Change your mind. First is to not knock your microphone over. Anyway, you were saying something. Well, it's, it's, it, we are breaking up at the, at the smaller levels. You're seeing these communities fall apart. But you're also seeing new alliances. You're seeing in certain ways where left that left-right paradigm is collapsing. It's becoming a freedom versus tyranny, which is what it should have always been. It or should have always been that. Mark uh, Chan, Changizi. Um, Who's that? We've talked about him before. He's a journalist, author. He talks about in terms of up versus down. Up being, you know, liberty, down being... <coughs> I'll link uh, to his website um scientist author entrepreneur he wrote 
uh, some books, all of them, Human 3.0 and Expressly Human. Is that who we're talking about? Uh, let me find him. Let me find him on Twitter. That's where I usually see him, and we can confirm. But the the idea here is, like, we're being we're being torn apart. We're being divided right now. Just because it isn't, you know, the West Coast seceding to become the West Coast of the United States in, you know, some kind of regional... No, we're divided, like, we're, in your city, in being, your family. Yeah, yeah, we're being divided on... And, and we have to overcome that. You want to stop the gaslighting? Stop treating people uh, in your family or in your community or in your social circle differently because they still insist on wearing a mask or never insisted on wearing a mask. Okay, you can, you can do that, but here's the problem, and I, I brought this up with Eric last week. The problem is that you're being called a domestic terrorist for not doing what they want, right? and, and they're in your face and in your business. And so this, where, this comes full circle to the BYU game and to church. It's like we're, we're, the regular people are in search of joy, and, and they want to they turn it off. They don't want to be told what to do. They know that there's a problem with that. They can't go along with it anymore because it's getting to be too onerous, the, the, right. the requirements. We're not, we're not going to turn into Australia. America's just not going to do it. If there's someone in your family that is taking it that far, then maybe you do need to But it's not just the family. Keep your it's distance. Th- th- they're being egged on by Twitter. They're being well, for sure. incentivized by the media, And that's where the we media, go back to the, by the institutions. And you have to point out the gaslighting. You have to point that out to the family members or your friends that are buying into it. You have to remind them, like, you've known me for 30 years. Do you really think I'm a domestic terrorist because I voted for Trump or because I... Don't, won't wear a mask won't, or whatever. Won't wear a mask outdoors or, I think or that indoors the government or anywhere. Is wrong. Or I th- or I'm cons- or I'm worried about election integrity. Or I have family values. Or my kids get good grades. I like religious holidays. I like religious holidays. That's that's the number one. You might be a terrorist a if terrorist for sure. So okay, yeah, so you, but you, I th- if you I'm come saying, to a point, it goes beyond politics. It go- right. that's the problem. You've got one part of the country here. Or and it's mixed in everywhere. You know, it's it's half of your neighborhood or whatever that that thinks that they made America kind again by electing Sleepy Joe, <laughs> Sleepy Joe. Ice Cream Joe, Ice Cream Joe. Well, right, and that and that's again that's this farming out. You you said what would you do if you were in charge? We're farming out our responsibilities to people in charge. Well, the people in charge have just crumbled our economy and our society in, in less than two years. We went from fairly functional and f- flawed, of course, we've talked about that, to on the verge of collapse. Controlled demolition. Faster than anything I've ever seen in my life. It, so if that's kindness, I'd rather go back to being rude and at least have a functioning functioning society where we don't criminalize the spread of the common cold. Amen. So... <laughs> But, but that's the problem. I mean, you're telling people to be nice, but how nice should they be? Jesus, here's a Jesus quote. I came not to unite, but divide, right? Isn't that the essence of uh, one of the statements he makes? To And the dis- yeah. disciples record well, the, that in the New the Testament. Doctrine, Christian doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, the gospel of Christ is divisive in the sense that it's the essence of the, it divides the believers from the non-believers. It's the essence of the parable of the wheat and the tares. And that's what we're having a, we're experiencing a, a, false version of that where people are being divided 
into believers and unbelievers, but the doctrine, the gospel is the gospel of state. And if you don't, if you don't believe in the state as your mighty savior, then you're classified as a unbeliever, a non-believer, a heretic, a terrorist, and you're you're in very in in parts of the world and parts of the country already. You're being ostracized mm-hmm. because but see, you I, don't have the proper credentials, the proper paperwork, or you don't believe the proper beliefs, right? Which is what the beliefs are based you don't on. Profess those Justin beliefs. Trudeau, the uh, the uh, Prime Minister of Prime Canada. Minister of Canada, the marionette in Canada, which I guess he I don't I, I don't understand how this works, but he called for a snap election. They have a different system, and the, and he faces a parliamentary system. Yeah, he could be he could be ousted tomorrow if that snap election that he called for backfires. Yeah, I don't I don't remember but remember he, exactly how it works in Canada, but I think in a lot of cases you vote for your representatives, and then the representatives vote for the executive. He said. He said uh, recently, within the last two or three days, that the vaccine passports are all about knowing that when you go to a restaurant or a movie theater, that the person next to you did the right thing. He just says it. That's incredible. He doesn't say it's all about knowing the person next to you is protected against COVID. He says it's all about knowing that the person next to you did the right thing. So the government is making sweeping judgments on what is right and what is wrong relative not to personal only that, the the, ju- the government is not not the people not we the people it's the the unelected soviet bureaucracy not only that but they are now forcing people to to see, it's not declare tr- their belief their their, their to pledge their allegiance see it's cuz i say that because it's not trudeau that made the the uh pronouncements right, the it was the health department it was the it's these the these bureaucrats yeah who are influenced right. by the non-governmental organizations, who are influenced by and set up by the the robber barons foundations. Right. Yeah, we've been through all that. But see, I would I would take a little bit of issue, not with what you're saying, but the way you, you introduced it. It's it's not a false gospel. This is the manifestation of those things occurring. The wicked doing the work. The sure. wicked are creating the separation. What I mean by did false... I just say that so bluntly? I because no, you're, you're right though. Like literally, if you're forcing your neighbors, if you want to force your neighbors to become a Pharisee, a, a, a COVID Pharisee, right? That's right. what it is. Yeah. In, in, and and abandon all all the known. Science. <laughs> I can't even say the science because they use that word. Yeah. Abandon everything we knew about immunology and viruses prior to 2020. And you're willing to completely ignore the statements, even your your cheerleader or your your leader, your cheerleading, Doctor Fauci, even ignoring statements he made not so many years ago. In some cases, not so many months ago. If if you're really that that that's wicked. That's wickedness writ large. It is, it is, and you're right that most of the division is coming from one side. I, I think that's fair to say. That's the problem. That's the problem, and it's not the left or the right. Okay, it's that's the it's. Remember, Trump championed the vaccines. He's taking credit for Operation but Warp Speed and all this I, stuff. When I say it's a false faith, what I mean is that the the virtue we're being, you know, evil yeah, yeah, you're is right. being called good. Good is being yeah. called evil. It's an inversion. We're it's now virtuous to avoid sick people. It's now virtuous to to shun. Mm-hmm. 
the unfortunate and the you know the marginalized. See, it's I, virtue to to stay safe, stay alone, stay safe. Yeah, and I probably shouldn't take issue with the way you're you're describing no, no, it. It's but just you're the, right, the new test, right. the new you're testament. Clarifying. This is this is a new testament scenario. Like literally, would we cry, crucify Christ anew if he did not have his mask on and wouldn't take the vaccine? Yes, we would. Well, we uh, are the, doing the, that. The mainstream in society would do that. At least what's perceived to be the mainstream in society would do that. Well, I've also seen, and, and this is, you know, people are saying, of course, Christ would have worn a mask, you know, because he cared about other people. And it's like. And you're like, no, he would have just healed everybody and <laughs> well, waved, waved his hand and the whole thing would have gone away, right? Well, we can't forget. We can't forget. And, and I think, and, and I, we've talked about this on past episodes, the church, and I mean the, the church why? All the churches, yeah, church, especially Christianity, Christianity, has has absolutely failed. Has absolutely failed during this pandemic. They've they've revealed themselves, or maybe I should say, we've revealed ourselves as utterly faithless. We do not believe what we preach because we haven't practiced it when we've needed it more than ever. Well, at least in America, and I think this goes for a lot of Western nations, we have been asleep at the wheel. The people have been asleep and have allowed the Gadianton robbers to get above them. I'm using language straight out of Ether chapter 8. We have allowed the secret combinations to get above us. What do you think it means to let them get above you? One of the things that used to really burn me up the most in gospel doctrine classes because we we have the secret combination lesson every four years without fail you get it during the book of mormon year there was at least back in the day i come follow me manual kind of follows the same thing kind of skims right over that though but but they've yeah they've, they've been able to sidestep difficult topics and that's intentional i think but Back in the day, you'd get these people who would say, well, the secret combinations, yeah, that's the mafia. Sure. How does the mafia, quote, get above you and the sword of justice hang over you for upholding them, for holding them up? How does, it, how does the mafia get established in the, quote, more settled parts of the land? We, or, we've, got, we've got a book. Or we, we just dismiss it as something that happened back then. We are clearly, as a people, under condemnation, as it explains in the Doctrine and Covenants, and still under condemnation, as Ezra Taft Benson explained many years ago, for not heeding the main message of the Book of Mormon. Arguably, now I get it that it testifies of Christ, but I could make a very good academic argument that the main theme of the Book of Mormon is that their society became quote-unquote democratic, was immediately attacked by nefarious interests. The, the war with Amalekiah was only 20 years after the inception of the reign of the judges, by the way. And the reign of the judges only lasted about 120 years, and it, w- and it then was overthrown, and um, they had a system of tribes for a couple of years before Christ came. But most of their reign of the judges was dominated by secret combinations. And the main geopolitical message of that book is that when you allow conspiratorial forces to take over your government, your society gets destroyed. And it happened to them twice. Yeah. Or in other words, when you reject Christ, which is also the same as rejecting liberty, 
And it makes that very clear. Agency, truth. You will be destroyed. Yes. Keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. Well, what what's the inverse of that? Well, it's funny because you bring that up now. It's a tangent because it, whenever it says that, it says, if you keep my commandments, you'll prosper in the land. But if not, you'll be cut off from my presence. Right. That is a, that is a technicality we should discuss another time. Well, but what, the point is they get destroyed. Well, they get destroyed. Well, when, and I think we, to our, de- to our demise, we assume that if we're prospering, then we're keeping the commandments. If you, you know, we think we know what it means to prosper in the that. land. Well, right. Flip that and... If you are prospering, you are keeping my commandments. Yeah. Well, and we say, well, look how rich we are. Well, we're prospering by our own benchmark. How how many people have a but, mortgage out there? If if you if your mortgage, do do some quick math. Figure out what your net worth is. If you have a mortgage, and and don't you know you may have rich relatives or something, but figure out, take them out of the equation. Figure out how much you owe versus how much you actually have. And fu- right. and ask yourself if you're if you're truly a free man on this continent or if you're a slave to the banks. Well, let's also ask if we're actually let let's assume that prosper has anything to do with financial uh, health. This nation is not financially healthy. This no. nation is not <laughs> prospering in the land. This this nation is on the verge of absolute financial collapse and anarchy. And it could happen any time. I mean, stocks are. Stocks are one small part of it. And you know they're, what? They're down right now. You have banks saying, big banks and big hedge funds and big, all of these different entities saying, you know, basically ringing warning bells. I think we're going to have another financial collapse really soon here. I, I don't think it's going to just bounce right back like the COVID no, crash did. I agree too. But but you know what? That that game on Saturday night was so fun. Like I hadn't been in a while and it was definitely an opiate it was like, I can see, you know, I, the last couple of years I've, I've thought to myself many times, I can see why people drink, you know, they, there, <laughs> there is a lot of need to escape and religion was called the opiate of the masses, right? By Lenin or somebody. Yeah. I think it was Lenin. Uh, 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 Lenin, Lenin of communist, uh, Vlad. Vladimir. Yeah. Of communist provenance. But, uh, re- that that goes back to our why are people are people not going to church? Is it just isolated to you know the area that uh, Bobby and I are in? Well, church or, attendance in the wider church is as it be, in Christianity is down is down anyway. I think for the first time in the history of the poll, which is like fifty or sixty years, there's a I think it was a Rasmussen poll found recently that now a majority of Americans do not affiliate with a church at mm-hmm. all. So plus 50%. Well, if, it, if it's an opiate for the masses, I'm saying, uh, has it lost its, its opiate? Has it lost its opiate? <laughs> has it lost its zing? Is it, is it, uh, has it lost its ability to give us that high? Uh, and and, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying that playfully. Like, because we, people go for self-validation, that's true. And people go because for a lot of different reasons, but you want to go because it's uplifting and enriching your life and making you feel good and helping your family. Right. And so subconsciously, I would think on average that, that if that's not happening, that's why people would stop going because if it genuinely, genuinely is good, then they would go. Right. Or they would, you would think they would go, but they, they've found well, for whatever reason, the people who aren't going anymore are 
I think this has always been the case, pre or post pandemic or whatever. People aren't aren't don't go because whatever it is they they want to get out of it or or want to experience there isn't happening. And you say, well, that's because they're not putting the effort into it. And no, they- maybe, but still, still. For whatever reason, they're left wanting. Okay, yeah, the, the, the institutional response to this, and we both know this, we've attended the meetings, we know what the doctrine is. The institutional response is it's the wicked people that don't go. People desire wickedness over the right the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I mean, that's another, that's another, that's another discussion. That's another discussion is like, are our meetings rigid? Do they have to be so rigid and so monotone in certain ways? You know, like we could, we could have a more vibrant sacrament meeting culture, I think. But, uh, (laughs) but that aside, the the institutional response to the idea that people aren't attending is that they just desire Babylon over the world. But I I I want to I want to discuss that. I want to think about that because you know, getting back to the Book of Mormon, see, I think we're missing something here. We're mi- we're missing some charisma. We're missing we're missing that thing that uplifts us. Whatever that secret sauce, that spirit, whatever it is. If if people aren't going because. Back in the Book of Mormon, there's a, a very striking passage in Alma. It's probably around chapter 30 where Alma leads the mission to the Zoramites with his, with his sons. And he says that they, they went into the land of the Zoramites and they were astonished for two reasons. Number one, that they had built synagogues. And number two, they were getting together one day a week and calling it the Lord's Day. And then it gets into their manner of worship, how they had put a podium up front above the heads of everybody else and that they would get up and say the same prayer. We thank thee, God, that we're better than our brethren and then talk about how great it was. Right. And and that's brought up every once in a while in church to to crickets. (laughs) Well, we see we're seeing that prayer be uttered in in mainstream society it's not yeah it's not just the mormons that are you know the lds that my do that. mask protects you your mask protects me is a form of that you know look how righteous i am i'm double jabbed i'm got the mask i'm masking my kids i'm you know just in the in the pandemic context but you can you could break out of that and and with all this kind of social justice and things it's it's basically people saying i am so Righteous. Right. I saw a somewhat prominent LDS personality. I'm not going to name his name, but he has a, uh, a you know a pretty big social media presence, and he's kind of this. Uh, I guess you'd call it like in the Bridges community or the ally, the LGBTQ ally community in within the church, and he he wrote on Twitter, uh, "If I get assigned to a lower kingdom." for being too compassionate and too kind, then so be it. <laughs> it's like, that's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. What a dumb thing to say. Virtue signaled. It's like, if I, if I am so righteous that Christ himself cannot even abide my presence, then so be it. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. It's a, it's a good point. But that, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of virtue signaling that goes on. But well, the vir- what, what I'm saying is the virtue signaling is the modern Zoramites. 
It's the the people climbing up onto the Rami Umpton. Yeah. In many cases, I think it is. I think people legitimately believe that they are better and right, more righteous. Yeah, and that... Uh, that's not. It's not limited to that. Yeah, it's not. That's not all. Just the, what the Zoramites are doing. I mean, that's very, very much the Pharisees. But I, I, I think that w- what you see there was you had a segregated society, right? You had a group of people that could come and people that couldn't come, right? And it's sort of the the way that the narrative goes there is that the, it was the underclass, the poor people, the working class that had built the synagogues that were excluded from it, and. Right. It, it sort of makes it sound like they wouldn't allow them to enter. I think it, I can't remember if it explicitly says that, but you have to ask yourself, they did, were, did they by choice not enter because they saw what was going on in the synagogue? It kind of reminds me. And they me, were cast out for that reason? It kind of reminds me of masked servers, you know, serving drinks and food at these you know, events for wealthy, famous, powerful people. I guess what I'm getting at is there's force and then there's self-selection, right? Right. I think that there are probably a a lot of those people who said, I don't want anything to do with those synagogues. Because nobody's forcing us to go on Sunday. Right. Yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's some implied, uh, not force, but there's certain things you miss out on if you don't go regularly. If the only, institutional privileges, I mean, well, yeah, community, but yeah, definitely in the Mormon Church, yeah, in the LDS Church, if you don't go, you're you're definitely not viewed as faithful enough to receive assignments that of status. Sure, but what what are the other benefits? Are you talking benefits or institutional, like? Privileges, institutional privileges. Well, you You're got talking the temple about recommend. temple recommend. Okay, I mean, if you if there, there's certain things that if you don't do, you don't get that. But see, if you're not if you're not sold that that's required for salvation, then it all is it starts to look like a lot of busy work, and not attending is more of a benefit than attending and be, being given an assignment to watch the nursery class, for example. Right, and that's where you get into the. I, and this, I ne- the, the the self-selection. I never mind watching the nursing nursery class. I mean, if I didn't, ha- I never had to do it every week. So I, I get that <laughs> women that have to do that every week that that can burn you out within a couple of weeks. But but it uh, also gave you immunity to every disease. Every ever. disease known about. <laughs> That's correct. I mean, I have we you know we've got a few kids in our family, and I remember enjoying taking them to nursery class and then f- having to leave for my own for for their sake so that they could develop a. The ability to be by themselves because, you know, it's kind of fun to play cars and uh, have the kids right. throwing stuff at you. And well, I think it's a complicated question of why somebody isn't attending church, especially in the case of people who, uh, before all of this, before the shutdowns, the masks and the vaccines, were attending church. I don't think it's as easy as saying... Well, because we stream sacrament meeting now that they're just lazy and they're watching on their phones from the the beach. I don't think it's as easy as just saying <clears throat> they got out of the habit. It, you know, in some cases, yeah, sure. But I, I think it's a it's a question that if I, I think it's a question that should be discussed openly uh, amongst elders quorums and relief societies and neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, 
because I think ultimately the reason is that something, somebody finds that something that they need or want from it is missing. Right. If you, if you, if you abandon the idea that you need to go so that you can have status in the church. And cause I mean, we were, we were brought up to believe that, you know, at least this was the implication that I assimilated was that the, the better the, the, the more responsibility they gave you, the more righteous you were. Sure. And we would do, we would do that. We would aspire to office and to assignment and we'd love to do it because that you, you get, uh, the attaboys, the pats on the back, and you, right. you flatter each other, and you and you feel good. You feel good. You feel like you're serving, right? But you, but if if all you're doing in the end is really serving the institution, getting the home teaching numbers higher, or you know, because the the idea is that somehow if there's more home teaching going on, then the the church is better spreading the gospel, right? I mean, the, 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 that's the premise: is that everything they're doing is good for people, and so statistically, if we do more of it, that's better. But if you come to the realization that that's not quite the way the the reality works, and that in fact by aspiring to office you were actually not listening to Jesus's <laughs> advice in your life or whatever, and you had to come down off of the being viewed as good by men path, you know that 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 that's a difficult thing if you're brought up to believe that, right? So that that can be quite a trial in a person's life to to stop doing certain things. And so, but what, what if you're not that type of person, or if you come to the realization that that's not what what you need, then this uh, the 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 busyness of the the LDS Church sort of works against it because it's like, yeah, I don't I don't need that. I don't. I don't have to take that assignment to feel good about myself or to feel like Jesus accepts me or that God is going to allow me into the kingdoms of glory. That's, that's a, I think that's a point a lot of people are coming to is it's like my, my salvation or my, there's a difference between salvation and exaltation. Let me, let me point that out for the listeners. Salvation technically would be to be redeemed from the fall, to be brought out of this world that if go read the experience of the brother of Jared, he says, Ultimately, when he bring when the Lord brings him into His presence, He says, "You are redeemed from the fall by being brought back into His presence." That's salvation. That's the soteriological mission of Christ. Exaltation. Look at the etymology of that word. It means to be lifted up. That's to be to go from one grace to grace, from degree one small degree to a great degree, from exaltation to exaltation until you can sit down to dwell with those who dwell in everlasting burnings. That's about eternal progression. That's about moving up in the heavens, progressing through the heavens. And so, so there are two different things. But anyway, when, when you come to know that your salvation and exaltation is wholly in the hands of the Lord God, Jesus Christ, and his parents, and not an institution, <laughs> that, that can cause changes in a person's life. That, could, that can cause ripples through a, a community. That can cause assignments that some perceive to be important to not be fulfilled. I think something, the, the institution was unmasked. I use that word intentionally, right? Because mm-hmm. of mass masking of us all. The institution, the church, was unmasked a little bit. And I think 
I, and I don't mean this necessarily in a, in a nefarious type of way, but the importance of it in our lives was... The reality of it was shown bare. Right. The, 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 the impact it has on our lives was, was, it was taken away. For, depending on where you live, you still may not be going to church regularly based on government regulations. Here in the great state of Utah, we went six or so months with nothing, not even digital messages, right? Not even video messages. Just, And I guess it depends on your stake and things like that, but nothing. And it's ridiculous to think that you could go six or eight months or even a year with with that being taken away and it was taken away there's a lot of good people honest people regular attending people that would have never stopped going who maybe now have stopped going because it was taken away and maybe they've realized that they found they found a better way or a different way that works better for them but you can't take that away and expect that you, when you snap your fingers and give it back, that everything goes back to the way it was. And I think that's maybe surprising some people that it didn't just go back to the way it was. In the meantime, you've had a whole bunch of division, even some that has been sown by the church, like the letter, like the Utah Air Presidency mask letter last year, like this, like the, you know, President Nelson getting the vaccine and post, posting a picture of it on Instagram is is divisive. It's causing division among people. These issues are causing division, and the church is sort of mucking their way through that for some reason. So we we can't be surprised. Shouldn't surprise anybody that attendance might be down. And again, I don't know if it's down across the board. We don't, I think it is. We aren't privy to those. I, I would estimate that it is. <laughs> But what does it all mean? Let's close with that thought. What is what does uh, church attendance down mean? Or what well, is, any of it, anything we've been talking about today. What does it all mean? What? Is, well, I think what it means is we're surrounded. We're surrounded by lies. We're surrounded by division. We're surrounded by a an enemy force that is trying to destroy us. They're trying to destroy everything that's good in our lives. They're trying to take away our joy. But we know that men are that we might have joy. That's one of the big points of this mortal existence is to learn how to have joy in a fallen world. So for some, it might just be as simple as going to a football game with 60,000 other people. Temporary as that joy might be. Um, I, I've said it. I've keep, I'll keep saying it forever. It's no coincidence that the things that were taken away from us first last year were our communal experiences where so that provides so much joy in our lives. And now we've sort of been given them back, right? With little breadcrumbs and, but there, there's always this cloud cover overhead that if you don't behave right, we could take this away at any moment. And that steals some of that joy away. I think, um, you know, it's like planning. We're planning a vacation right now. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, is this really going to happen? Is it involve the airlines? Yeah. And it, and it is like, is this really going to happen? Or by then, and this is going to be in the winter time, are, are we going to have to 
be shut down and locked down again? Are we going to have to mm-hmm. go through all kinds of hoops? Am I going to have to show proof of vaccination to get on an airplane? Am I going to have proof show proof of vaccination to vote next year? I mean, it, it just there's been a, a worldwide societal precedent that's been set. Right, right, and it's based on lies. It's all based on lies. Mm-hmm. Everything we've been told by our governments and other institutions in regard to this is a lie. They've lied and they've lied. Even when they've told the truth, they then follow up with lies and lies and lies. So you're saying we're learning that we're living in a world of illusion, a world of lies. Yeah, we're living in a Truman Dome where we're being lied to. So how do you find the truth? Luckily, we there is a way. There is a way. And that's through, you can cut through the lies with the Holy Ghost and with the Spirit. And you can have a connection to truth itself, which is... Jesus Christ. See, I think that's a really difficult thing to do, especially when you open yourselves up to the institutional repetition, I would call it propaganda, the the institutional messages. Members of the, the LDS Church know about this, I think, because we teach the same things over and over again, and so therefore we think the Holy Spirit is telling us to do those things. Sure. But when it's really your your guilt-driven conscience that makes you feel that you should do those things. And the, if, the main if, example I have is home teaching, which is now called, quote-unquote, ministering. Right. But And by the way, I think it's completely fallen apart. Oh, yeah. I think that that has to be admitted, that that has not been going on. And uh, I think there's been ministering going on. I think there are people who look out for each other, but in this not, not ministering way, TM, right? Yeah, I think it's completely crumbled for sure. Well, there's been a huge increase. I well, maybe not a huge increase, but I would estimate there's been a significant amount of ministering going on. Maybe an increase, yeah, amongst people who've been forming new support groups. Uh, sure, but, new, but new, that's not. But that's different than the assigned. You know, I have an assigned family that I'm supposed to contact. Right. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, if you've had that experience where you come out of a lesson on Sunday or somebody asks about home teaching and then during the week you're like, yeah, I should do my home teaching. You have to ask yourself, is that your guilt or is that the Holy Spirit? Right. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit tell you not to visit a family to give them a break? You know, I mean, <laughs> is it a possibility that that's what the Holy Spirit would say to, to a person? Well, and I, I, that this, this pandemic garbage these lies have forced us, you know, or maybe com- com- compelled, maybe uh, inspired us to learn how to recognize those those voices of truth. I hope so. I, I would say that one thing I've learned here, and I hope people have learned, is that institutions end up taking a life of their own on over, you know, we, we, we as the LDS Church tend to look at the Catholic Church and go, yeah, you lost it. How, you know, how could you apostatize, you know, whatever. But then we won't see that happening in our own culture, in our own right. organization. We, we, we could not fathom that that's a possibility. And we'll find some quote from early church leaders or prophets who say, that can never happen to this church. If it could happen to the Catholics, it can happen to you. If, if Satan himself could fall from the highest level of the heavens in the presence of God, it can happen to you. Right. Okay, and will happen. Well, <laughs> so there are there are good people of, out there no, who, of course, like I, Christ. I, well, what I'm saying is that all of us 
have need to continually repent. But yeah, and that's the but that's the tendency of institutions in this world is right. they tend towards domination and they tend towards separation from God and they they get a life of their own and maybe they can recover from that maybe they can't right maybe if the if the people who make up those institutions have the ability to correct their course maybe they can right but it requires the people to do that and it require and, and so when i'm talking about home teaching i'm not saying mormonism's not true because the home teaching program was invented by Brigham Young and then restarted by Heber J Grant and it's not necessarily something you know that really matters it's it, it, i i'm not saying that it's just how, we have a duty to separate what is institutionally contrived from what god wants us to do sure that's important i agree and the institutions provide a place where we can have community and the big test for the people of those institutions is will they become like the Zoramites to the fullest extent and create an underclass and segre- you know and cast people out or are they going to be inclusive are, are they going to be able to recognize when they're acting like an echo chamber and pushing people out because they've lost that secret sauce you know cuz that can happen too if 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 all we can do is talk about and be a monotone organization then you're going to lose the interesting people because what it doesn't do anything for them so that it it doesn't have to be like rote overt force casting people out of the synagogues it can be casting them out because you is yeah, just not interesting not it's not helpful offer, right you know that's a, that's a possibility too and then and then you run the risk of being the pharisees where you run around saying and we're righteous and here's our virtue that we're signaling to you when we go around the neighborhood and when we on Twitter, when we repost this thing that so-and-so said over and over and over again, or repost it on Facebook just to show our virtue, you know, that's, that's a real possibility. That creates what I'd call an echo chamber. An echo chamber. Echo. Well, well. I, think that's a good, <laughs> I think that's a great place to wrap up for, for this week. Interesting uh, discussion, Bobby. Lots I, of things I, to think about. If you're listening, if you're listening out there, please don't, um, take this away and don't, don't take away from this conversation the idea that Bobby and I are anti-Mormon or anti-church, okay? Don't take away from this anything no, extra from what we said. You, but you need to think about it. You, you have to think about what's going on. We have to think, what, what is the deal? What, how am I personally, in my hero's journey, epic story, Related to all this, where where do right. I fit into all of this, and what am I personally supposed to do? And you can go ask people you trust. If you trust your bishop, you can ask them. You can ask your stake president. You got to know they're going to give you a certain type of an answer because the reason they were put in those positions was because they're faithful to the hierarchy. Right. And doesn't mean they they're have good a, people. They have certain leanings, and it doesn't make them wrong either. It, right. You can you can talk to people about it, but. You can talk to your friend who has, uh, you know, more non-traditional leanings or somebody like me and Bobby, and we could tell you something. But I hope if you get one thing from this and all of our podcasts is that we would recommend that you talk to the guy in charge, that you talk to the Lord Jesus, that you, you try to hear the Holy Spirit in your life, that you sincerely, 
desire that God will disentangle you and your family from the philosophies of men that have been mingled throughout our society with Scripture, with, with things that purport to be virtuous. I think it's also, it's actually the opposite nowadays. I think Scripture has been <laughs> mingled into the philosophies of men, and yeah. there's a difference there. I think yeah. that we're being dominated by the philosophies of men, and people will use Scripture to, uh, to manipulate that and to gaslight us and to lie to us and, and to say things like it is, it, you know, it's Christ-like behavior to ignore the sick and afflicted. And to keep them locked up in a yeah. in a room, yeah. And then you have uh, sort of a, a corollary to that, a, re- a related issue to that, which <laughs> Pre- uh, Elder Christofferson brought this up one time. I think it was him, either him or Elder Holland. But he was talking about the technology that distracts us because we we are we do need dopamine, <laughs> we do need the joy, right? We've been talking about that, and he said because of the smartphones now, because of technology, we and specifically smartphones, he was saying that we have a, an ironic situation where instead of being in the world but not of the world, we can actually be of the world and not in the world. Right. I think he was talking <laughs> it was very too astute. about like some of these video games, like the virtual world video games. Oh, yeah, he's right. He's right. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I've uh, experienced that a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, I, I hope that I hope that our listeners will think about it. And I hope that you will, will will recognize the duty that devolves upon you to not depend upon other men, but to sincerely seek out the Lord Jesus, seek out truth, seek out wisdom with a capital W, and try to understand what you personally need to do in these incredibly difficult and transitory times that we're living in. We, it's like being on the field in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. You're not, don't think of yourself as, you know, the water boy or some guy that never plays in the game. You got you to be one of the superstars to be in the game at that time. If you're here in the world right now thinking about these things, if you're really thinking about these things sincerely, that's you. You're on the field. Right. Time to make a play. Time to make a play. It's a good way to end it. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, We appreciate you. And uh, we will be back again next week. On behalf of Jordan Bruno, I am Bobby Flood, and we are signing off. Take care, everybody.